0: And just remember, any decisions you make will result in strategic ramifications that are too complex to be iterated right now. Are you ready to proceed? Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. Join me on the flip. As we get into talking about the things you do today and how they set off a new course of events that (laughs) you might not be ready for. So join me as we talk about strategic ramifications. I'll see you on the flip. Hello, wise one, and thank you for joining me on the flip today we're going to be talking about strategic ramifications. But before we get into that, I want to give a shout out to the inspirer of a lot of the concepts that um, I have been meditating on recently. And I want to give a shout out to Mr. Morgan Housel of the Collaborative Fund. You can check him out on the collaborativefund.com forward slash blog, where he does a lot of writing for this fun setup for entrepreneurs. And I have been enjoying him for a while. Uh, check out his Twitter too. It's, it's very entertaining and uh, very thought provoking, you know, to, to um, just be on the real about it. And uh, so, anyway, yes, let's get into strategic ramifications. So, what I wanted to say um, with today is first and foremost, I am talking about ramifications, not implications. Okay, so with ramifications, we are talking about the development. We're talking about the consequences of, and I was having a conversation with a, um, a dear friend that I've known since high school, and we had a really... Um, good conversation. And I I wanted to thank her for helping me to start developing my thoughts about this. And then uh, after I had a conversation with her, I had to meditate on it and, and try to seek out what wisdom would say. And so um, I'm giving this to you uh, to help hopefully continue to serve you so that you get continued, you continue to uh, grow your wisdom grow your mental strengthening, and to move forward in um, a way where your strategy and the decisions you make today, when they reverberate into the future, you can set yourself up for as as great of a possible outcome as possible. Okay? So with these strategic ramifications, understand that whatever you're doing today is what you reap tomorrow. And so it is a cause and effect kind of situation, okay? And that's why we're talking about ramifications, because they are the consequences of what we do. And some of the things I I didn't pill for them, I'm just going to say, I was inspired by Mr. Housel, was that he made some very good points. And some of them were dealing with long-term, short-term, and uncertainty, and because i did a podcast the other day talking about navigating um, uncertainty when i was looking over some of the things that he postulated to the financial crowd i was like i'm snatching this cuz this is good and i hadn't considered this and what he said was is that in times of uh direness and um financial pain um and especially pandemics <laughs> right now when, we when you're faced with uncertainty he said that it shrinks your field of vision, but the but what we have to do is to remember that uh, we must continue to operate with a, an expectation of having a long term vision because it's the most needed at times like this. This is not the time to have a short-sighted um, delusion to to get off of your mark. To only look at the sky is falling. You have to maintain that there will be tomorrow, and just like I said in the other podcast, you have to expect for your tomorrow to work itself out. And I like that he kind of you know said something similar. All right, so I thought that was brilliant. And looking at that, these ramifications of having a long-term vision uh, will do you well. For instance, when you look at the unknowns and we've talked about this before now. I know I'm going to be referencing other podcasts I've done, but hey, we talk every day you guys, so we have we have history. We've got a database of knowledge and wisdom that we can refer to. Yes? Yes. Okay. So, when we talk about unknown unknowns in times of certain uncertainty, we can quickly get to the point where we understand that we're clearly at a time when the amount of unknowns far exceeds the amount of knowns. And yesterday I talked a little bit about my love of patterns, but how we have to be careful to not try to look for patterns and expect them to be truthful in everything, because there is a certain amount of Randomness that happens, and we can be fooled by randomness. That is actually a book, it's a book I haven't read yet, but it is on my to be read list. And when I've read it, I will make sure if there's something of worth and note, I will let you know about it. Um, But the whole concept of the fact that there are points of randomness, we need to take that into consideration. And when we take that into consideration, we do that by are you ready for this? making sure that we plan (laughs) with patterns, whether it be backup plans, safety nets, uh, giving ourselves margins of error, contingency plans, all those things we've talked about in the past. What those tend to do is they help us to give ourselves a little wiggle room, a little flexibility for when randomness sets itself up. And trust and know that in times like now, the propensity for randomness to show its head and to run amok is very high. Okay, so let me just recap this so that once so that once we understand this base of what I'm talking about, we can move into uh, the points that I want to make, and then give us some practicality, and then we'll be on to the next thing. Okay, so here we go with strategic ramifications. There are there are <laughs> there are two uh, concepts that we want to remember. And that is uncertainty and long-term vision. Uh, Excuse me, I said two, three. Uncertainty, long-term vision, and unknowns. Okay. So with uncertainty, based on what Mr. Morgan Housel said, uh, a contributor to the collaborative fund that I liked what he said, he said that uncertainty in times like now tends to uh, shrink our field of vision. And we have to make sure that even though we have a a short-sighted vision of uncertainty, we must still plan with the notion of doing it for a long-term benefit, okay? So with a long-term benefit and vision, when you have times like this right now, this is the best time to do it. Now, I didn't say this before, but I'll say this now. When you are engaging in long-term vision in shaky times like now, you are going to come up against risk and opportunity. But you must realize that you can't have it both ways because um, risk is something that uh, you encounter when you're making a decision about something in the future. Opportunity always looks like itself when you're visiting something in hindsight. So, doing long term vision is going to include a certain amount of risk. It's up to you to figure out how comfortable or uncomfortable you are with the level of risk involved. But don't forget that it's times like now where having a long term vision, understanding that there will be life after this now, and that. You can <laughs> you can just relate to the sky is falling right now or you can realize that there is going to be a day after this and I need to be planning for it as well, okay? And then the last one that we talked about is the unknowns. And when we have volatility as we do right now, understand that we are clearly at the point where, Our unknowns have exceeded our knowns. And there are going to be certain points of randomness that you can't plan. Well, you you could plan, but you can't always know how they're going to show up. But to mitigate, The randomness as much as possible. That is why we want to always be having backup plans, safety nets, contingency plans, room for error, and even being able to be flexible. I've said this before, I'll say it again. We are clearly, clearly in the age of adaptability. No longer is it about your IQ, it is all about your AQ. What is your adaptability quotient? How can you go into different situations and how fast can you acclimate and start to thrive in those situations, being able to turn on a dime. That's what part of this is about. And guess what? This is not the first time that this has happened. We'll be talking about that in a minute. But what I wanted to make sure I did was to set up when you're looking at strategy and your decisions, they're going to have consequences. And when you make them, They're going to have consequences that are possibly too complex to be able to realize what they'll look like because we just don't know because we're in a time of uncertainty. But you still got to move forward. You still got to make decisions and plans and you still got to believe and expect for things to be better. All right. So now that I've said that, I want to talk about some of the ramifications that, have happened over the over the years when there have been other times, like uh, the unstableness that we're experiencing right now around the world, okay? And that is that people tend to get into a state of excessive worry that doesn't actually fit the real situation. You'll have people that are on one extreme or the other and, and somewhere in between the excessive worriers that everything is going to pop we're all dying <laughs> and then you'll have the people that are uh numb to everything oh everything is a hoax everything this is this is not true or whatever and both of them are trying to use their their forms of coping to make sense of their world um but just understand that it's nothing new under the sun, and people are going to be worried. And it usually is not as bad as people make it out to be, even with the Great Depression. I hear you talking about what about that. Um, but then there are also times when you you need to not be so apathetic. Uh, remember that book we've talked about in the past, um, Outwitting the Devil, where Napoleon Hill has this quote unquote, interview with the devil. And he talks about the way he gets our minds is through our shiftless aimlessness. And then our fears of aging, our fears of becoming impoverished, our fears of uh, not making our name or our legacy. And that comes back to this excessive worry about a situation. It's like fearing the uh, boogeyman or seeing the boogeyman and being so frozen that you're apathetic and you do nothing. So neither one of them is good, right? Another trait that you'll normally see during times like this is that you will start to realize that necessity is the mother of invention. And I did a podcast about that too. You see, I am hoping you're starting to see that if you go back and listen to them, each one is helping, hopefully, precept upon precept, helping us to get little more snatches of how to assemble this great kaleidoscope of wisdom that Mother Wisdom is laying out for us so that we are able to transverse and... um make great use of what we know and what we can do in uncertain times like this. And with this mother of invention, it stands to reason that when we're in these times of uncertainty, there will be great intellectual and technological advancements because necessity requires it. It requires that you step up your problem solving and you step up your ability to make sense of what looks senseless, and then this is another thing that I really am um, looking, you know, forward to, and that is understanding that we can uh, we can position the way we look at what's happening to us as an opportunity and not a threat. And the reason why we can do that is because. If you choose it to be so, you expect it, then history has shown us that those who have taken that approach tend to get that outcome. Isn't that exciting? I think it is. All right. So let's get into it um, so that we can take a look at what these strategic ramifications look like, how we can make them benefit ourselves and, and, and keep growing and thriving. All right. So In the past, it has always seemed where if there were certain types of accidents or crashes or missed opportunities in hindsight, well, I, 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 I didn't set it up right. But in hindsight, these crashes, accidents always looked like opportunities that were missed. You know, have you ever had that situation where something happened and it didn't feel good at the time? But, in hindsight, you were like, "Darn it, I should have done X, y, and Z, and I would have benefited or we all would have benefited, or something would have happened that was pretty cool. And so, in hindsight, every shortfall and um thing that didn't look like it was right, whether it was a market crash or it was an accident or or something didn't work in your favor, there's usually a silver lining. Of an opportunity that could have been gleaned had you taken the risk to um, go for it. And then that is the other side of it. And that is that when these same things happen in real time, so in the future, say for instance, you come up against a market crash, an accident, or another shortcoming that's not in your favor, instead of it looking like an obvious opportunity, it's going to look like a daunting risk. And when you start to realize that, that that that's the way things are, you will hopefully increase your um, risk tolerance to take the plunge and to do things uh, that will cause you to benefit, hopefully, from opportunity. And that's one of the things that I was uh, glad to see Um, and be reminded of by uh, what Mr. Housel was saying in, in a few snippets here and there. And he talked about two great incidences that happened in our American past. He made reference to the Great Depression and World War II. And I had gone and looked at these as well. Um, I've also gone and looked at the Black Plague and <laughs> these other things, looking for similar things. And, and thus, I find him to be a kindred spirit in how he assesses and um, processes. So I, I appreciate that. And I am very grateful that he is willing to write and to share his thoughts with us on a global scale because they, they inspire me and keep me fueled to seek out more of what Mother Wisdom has for us. And so let me tell you some of the things that he said about these two incidents that got me really excited. And the reason why they got me excited is because of the second thing that I talked about with uh, what happens during times like this, where it's a consequence of what has happened. And if you make the right decisions, you will greatly benefit from it instead of being taken over like a tsunami. And that is mother of invention, necessity being the mother of invention. And so when you have stressors, when there is prolonged financial pain, when there is prolonged uncertainty, what starts to happen is the circumstances of the time start to make demands on us for survival and to be able to thrive. And because of that, we start to get very creative. We start to problem solve and we start to find ways to make sense of what is happening. And so when he was looking at uh, the Great Depression, he talked about it in terms of what it brought. It brought unimaginable, prolonged financial pain with uncertainty. But then he goes on to say that from the uh, 1920s all the way to the, ni- the end of the 1930s, well, just like a 10-year kind of span from 20, 1929 to right before we got into the Second World War, um, World War right before the 1940s. He said that because we had gone through these unimaginable sustained pains that we developed, supermarkets, microwaves, uh, jets, rockets, color TVs. Um, we were so prolific that we developed Teflon, helicopters, photocopying, nylons, magnetic recordings, plexiglass, uh, commercial aviation, most forms of plastic, synthetic rubber, laundromats, and so many others. And this was done in the span of about a decade. And it is because we had that frantic problem-solving need all over us. When you have what you need, you get complacent. When you don't have what you need and there is pain, we will do anything to avoid pain. Our pain avoidance is legendary. And that is why necessity is truly the mother of invention. But he goes on. He says the same thing happened around World War II. And he talks about this six-year period that was so powerful. That in a six-year period, he says, and I, I thought this was brilliant. He said that we went from starting our our portion of World War II, where it began with troops on horseback, but it ended by splitting an atom in half, and this was done in six years. And I am not glorifying the atomic bomb. Please don't take that from this. When you look at we went in on horseback and and left out by a, an atomic bomb in a six year span. What kind of frenetic energy causes the human mind to get to that point where we can do that, that sort of level of annihilation and damage? It's 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 inconceivable. I have a hard time getting my mind around it. But what I will say is this, and that is that when you look at the decisions you make in times like this and you start to realize that there is a consequence waiting to be spawned and to be catapulted into the future, and when you realize that this is the best time for you to do things with a view of long-term vision, it becomes so powerful In that when you do what you do, when you make your decisions with an eye for the long term and understanding that strategic ramifications are amped up and more um, powerful than ever, it makes how you move, uh, it, it makes your decisions, it makes your thought processes, it makes the way you frame your mind and see things in perspective different. And I'm I'm asking you right now, will you please not just see things through the lens that is presented to you, but instead dare to see things through the lens that you create for what it is you want? Um, I almost feel like whenever there has been an upheaval and everything has been uh, turned uh, um, upside down, it's because... We've been crying out from the complacency of of, of death. Um, if you have been listening to me, you have you'll realize that I have been talking about how chaos has been in the air for a while. And we've done many podcasts uh, over the last few months about chaos and how chaos brings destruction and danger, disorder, and even death because it is the story of the phoenix dying and then rising out of the ashes to be even better. Chaos is the end of order. When order has become too stagnant, it must die. And chaos comes in and tears everything asunder. Nothing makes sense. Nothing can um, be uh, put back together the way it used to be. And we are forced to put things together or to create things in a new way. And if this is not chaos having her perfect work, I don't know what is. But the thing about chaos is, chaos is also about birth, about renewal in a new and better and more powerful way. And chaos is also about abundance and about catapulting people and things into a new reality that starts the cycle of blessing that will eventually turn into order, that will eventually turn into prosperity. And then we'll ride that as long as we can until it becomes um, uh, stagnant and starts the death decline again. It's It's a cycle. You have death and destruction. You have uh, rebirth, birth, renewal, and newness and prosperity. So over and over again, this is the ancient will of time. This is our will of destiny. And even though we're in this time of destruction, we're in this time. This is the the sweet spot of if you dare to work with your environment, you will see things in a new way. You'll you'll get a new idea of how to view your world. Think about it. What did he say? In I'm not even talking about the six years that we went in on horseback and came out with an atomic bomb. In uh, 10 years, we put together supermarkets, microwaves, photocopiers, helicopters, commercial flying, uh, plastics, rubber, plexiglass, color TVs, you name it. This was prolific. And that's what I want to let you know, that strategic ramifications can be really good. The decisions that you make right now, please don't make them short-sighted. Please, please, please look past the hyperbole, the hype. Look past the fear-mongering. Look past even your excessive need to worry. And understand, please, beloved, that what you do today could have strategic ramifications for what happens in the future. When you dare to believe and dare to understand that if people could come out of the Great Depression with all of these technological and intellectual advancements, and if they could go into a world war and six years later move from horseback to bombs Think what you can do if you just understand the potential that is there. The thing that I want to say at the end of this is that I learned something when I was uh, going through my notes and things about military. And I I learned that infantry, because I always looked at the infantry and I was like, why does it have the word infant in it? Now, if you go back and look at the history of it, it it's not infant, it's a French word and it simply means troops. Um, it means uh, foot soldiers and the like. But I was like, that word infant is there for a reason and I know it and I'm not gonna let it up. And so of course, nosy me, well, I'm not gonna say nosy, curiosity me, <laughs> continued to search and, and uh, learn something. And that was that infantry men were usually the youngest soldiers. They were usually teenagers between the ages of 14 and 16. And they were foot soldiers because they were too young and had not necessarily mastered how to ride a mount and fight. And so even though they were foot soldiers, that wasn't their terminal point. And so they were the infants of the military. And I looked at how boots on the ground is a statement that we say, and I even have um, a podcast that I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking about doing about what it means for boots on the ground. But when I looked at the strategic ramifications of it and um, realized that the infantry is not the thinking portion of your campaign, they are, the, they are the first lines of defense, but they are the last ones to know what's going on because by the time they get their orders it's where they it, the orders have come down from the generals down through the lieutenants onto the colonels down to the sergeants and then finally down to them and they are just there to take orders and do what they're told i want you to understand that now right now you are in the strategy section Yes, you will get to a point where you have boots on the ground, but I don't want you to get this mixed up that at this particular time, don't let your emotions grow excessively and and cast you into a nightmarish realm. Get an understanding of what is going to be your long-term vision. Make those decisions that are going to reverberate. Call on the um, uh, The spirit of the times, the mother of necessity, to give you wisdom, insight, and cleverness so that you can uh, step into developing things uh, like all of the um, intellectual and technological innovations that happen during other times of great distress, financial pain, and long term suffering. And once you have that, then. You can go out and execute and that's where your boots on the ground is going to come up. But do understand this, that there is a silver lining and that it is the ramifications, the consequences of how you strategically set yourself up in times like this. So guess what? Yep, my time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva, your Practical priestess of Wisdom with another podcast of Wisdom Spag. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe. If there is a subject you want me to cover, send, drop me a note. And um, because this is a daily podcast, I am going to thank you for today. And guess what? I am going to see you tomorrow. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And thank you so much.